I'm very much bullish on this Q4. The reason is because we spent the better half of our lives mastering the ability to persuade people to take action online. That's literally what we do. And Q4, holiday seasons, people make those decisions whether they have money or not. Look at history. The whole system is built to make this happen. And we are the instruments that facilitate that. A lot of people would look at that and say, how could you? It's what we do. I do it unashamedly. I do it quite well. And that's I'm, I'm proud of that point. When I look at an opportunity like Q4, irrespective of a lot of the macros, there's always going to be wins to be had. There's always going to be an opportunity to be strategic, to find that angle, to be a marketer. D2C marketers, let's get real. How many hours have you wasted searching for brand influencers only to come up empty-handed? It's time to stop spending time searching, scrolling, and haggling with influencers and start using creator marketing with hashtag paid. With hashtag paid, you can find your perfect creator match for your brand in less than 10 minutes every time. Getting started is easy. Just select your audience, campaign objectives, pick from a short list of creators, and hit run. It's just that easy. There's a reason why Hashtag Paid is the number one rated influencer marketing platform for D2C brands. As a D2C listener, you can even get credits for your first campaign. Just go to go.hashtagpaid.com slash DTCpod to get started. Welcome to All Killer No Filler. My name is Eric. This is the D2C podcast, and I'm here with the Pilot House Brain Trust. We've got co-founder and CEO Dave. We've got Cam, and we've got Nate. Uh, welcome to All Killer No Filler Boys. Today we're talking about Q4, biggest time of the year, little trepidation in the market right now. How are we viewing Q4 2022 in terms of the opportunity, Nate? Well, I, I always think uh, Q4 is a massive opportunity. Obviously, look at 2021, people weren't really expecting that and it turned out to be, I mean, our biggest Q4 ever. Um, one trend we've definitely been seeing this year specifically is that you know, with the uh, turmoil, I guess, in the markets, some of the larger brands that have retail presences have been pulling digital budgets at least a little bit, or at least you know spreading them out a little bit more to less DR-specific channels like Facebook, TikTok. And I, I think you should see that as an opportunity for small to medium-sized businesses that are super digital first um, to kind of take some market share in Q4 when these big brands are pulling and focusing on retail and some of these other less DR-specific channels. Could be a big opportunity this year. See the same thing, Dave? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm very much bullish on this Q4, as I have been on most Q4s, and I probably will be on the, on the foreseeable future. The reason is because, you know, we spent the better half of our lives mastering the ability to persuade people to take action online, right? That's literally what we do. And Q4, holiday seasons, people make those decisions, they take those actions, whether they have money or not. I mean, you just have to look look at history, right? Of, of the fact that we have a debt economy, like the whole system is built and designed to make this happen. And we are the instruments that facilitate that. And I know that you know, a lot of people would look at that and say, you know, point fingers and say, how could you? It's what we do. I'm, I, I do it unashamedly. I do it quite, uh, quite well. And that's, I'm, I'm proud of that point. So when I look at an opportunity like Q4, irrespective of a lot of the macros, there's always going to be wins to be had. There's always going to be an opportunity to be strategic, to find that angle, to be a marketer and really create an outcome. Uh, that sets you up for the rest of the year. 
in a lot of ways, right? I think I think that's the big the big theme here is is get in the black in Q4. Don't be too timid. Um, you know, I think your point about people's consumer habits is is really valid. And it's like even if there's a little trepidation in the market, people have been trained for a decade now or more that Black Friday is the time that you make these kind of purchase decisions. And so, it, you know, even if if we're headed towards further economic troubles, this Q4 is probably you know right in the heat of things where they're not going to be you know, it's not going to be pivoting on a dime. It's not going to be really low. It's going to continue in the same trend that it's kind of continued, even if there is a little trepidation. I agree with that. Nice. Dave, how do we talk about Q4 at Pilot House with our clients? I mean, I think there's a lot of hype around it, right? I mean, Q4 is the playoffs for us, right? It's it's how, it's the harvest for so many DTC brands. They build up a big year and they, they end it with this huge consumer intent period. Uh, in many ways, you know, it feeds into this annual cycle of a DTC brand where, you know, a brand really can fill the war chest of cash flow in that last quarter. And they got to be really smart about how to how to plan for that and how to, you know, move into the, the, the following year with that. Um, I think one of the big things I'm hoping to discuss here are what, what are some of the strategies that we see DTC brands use to be successful leading into Q4, as well as the aftermath of Q4 uh, as it relates to the to the macro. I think you bring up a good point. And, uh, you know, it's called Black Friday for a reason. Black Friday originally was about, you know, how companies can use this time period to make enough sales so that they get into the black, potentially compensating for other parts of the year. I know, you know, obviously at Pilot House, our goal is to work with clients so that they're acquiring customers profitably all the time. But how much should a brand sort of lean on Q4? How do you advise brands to kind of go into this in terms of in terms of spending? Spending is an interesting one because we're a performance marketing agency. We think about spending not in terms of budgets, but really following the money, right? So we think of it in terms of open-mindedness, right? So if you're going in with a plan to scale on, uh, you know, meta and, and maybe these days you're, you're uncertain about that, our advice and maybe, you know, Nate and Cam, you can get into this. Our advice is expand onto TikTok right now. Do your tests early so that come Q4 when the spending is going to be increased, you've got more data to, to actually be more fluid and dynamic with your spending decisions. Uh, we, we always want to, to push the spend to what's performing best, whether that's on a campaign level, a channel level. Uh, and we generally find your overall spend efficiency is going to be more efficient when you're, when you're mobilized that way. You agree there, Nate? Yeah, I think the dynamic piece is really really important too. I see a lot of brands, especially larger brands with kind of set budgets and um, you know maybe shareholders to report to, they come into to Q4 and even just the whole year with set budgets for each channel. And I think that can really hinder profitability and efficiency like Dave's saying. So it's super important, especially in Q4 when the, the gas pedal is gonna be down all the way um, to make sure that you're fluid and can you know take a step back and say, okay, we're gonna pull some budget from here, push it here. It'll help brands be a lot more efficient. Do you think like, you know, one of the things I was actually just talking on a podcast with someone and they were talking about making paid social work and they were talking about readjusting their ROAS perspective a little bit where like they ran a bunch of ads, the ROAS wasn't where they wanted it to be necessarily. So they turned it off. But then back when they, they looked at their attribution software back in the light of day, they realized, wow, paid social actually worked a little bit better when you zoom out a little bit more. What's your advice for brands trying to balance 
profitability in Q4 with this idea that Q4 sets you up for the rest of the year because you're going to acquire more customers in Q4 than in any other quarter uh, for most brands. And that should have effects throughout the rest of the year, as we're saying, as you acquire new customers, if you're doing your your backend uh, CRO stuff right, if you're doing your, your SMS and your email right, you should be able to turn them into, you know, ideally a good chunk of them into, into longer paying customers. How do you balance profitability with sort of investment in Q4? I think it really comes down to knowing the value of your customers, um, the value of your customers that have purchased, the value of your lists. I mean, if you have a good idea of the LTV of a customer that purchases one product and you have a plan to convert that person over time on more products, then you can really set yourself up for success by driving first-time customers at a high volume in Q4. Anything to add there, Dave? Yeah, so most brands by now should have already ordered their inventory for Q4. You know, Maybe smaller brands are, are still in the midst of, of doing that. What's interesting is when inventory decisions are being made this year, I think there's been a cloud of uncertainty around a lot of brands, right? So there's been this question of how bullish are we going to be for Q4 and therefore how much inventory are we going to order? And I think that decision that was made, you know, now or several months ago is going to be need to be reflective in the Q4 strategies, right? If you ordered a ton of inventory, you're going to have to spend more to generate the sales to sell out your inventory, especially, you know, depending if you're in perishable or, or whatnot. Whereas those brands who have ordered less inventory because they've been maybe skeptical about whether it's going to be a big Q4, buying strategies, content strategies, promotional strategies need to adjust to that new world. And I think in any cases, I think there's some fundamental uh, strategies I want, I want to talk to. One, velocity, right? Velocity is this super important concept of performance marketing, especially on paid social. It's, you know, a wise person once to- taught me it's not just speed. Velocity is this, the marriage of speed and precision. You know, if you only have speed, that could be sloppy. If you only have precision, that can be sluggish. When you get these two together, that's where the, the magic happens. That needs to happen at the campaign campaign planning level. That needs to happen everywhere. We're coming back to this idea of dynamic spend. It's all about having velocity, having open-mindedness to distribute and follow where the activity is. So for example, you got a campaign that's testing one angle and you got another campaign testing another angle. And maybe you're testing these angles in anticipation prior to Black Friday to find out what's going to work this year, right? You don't know. You can anticipate what could work. You could say, maybe it's a BOGO, maybe it's a 20% off site-wide, maybe it's a buy one, uh, get one 50% off. And, you know, obviously mapping out your contribution margins of, of all these different offers, testing those prior to Black Friday and having that velocity to just get out there, test, move on is, is really what we see as a common commonality between brands that thrive irrespective of the macro. And then within that velocity, you want to have the velocity of creatives in order to support each initiative, right? So within variations within a campaign, essentially, in order to, to, to find that winner, even within that angle. Completely. Maybe Cam could speak to how, you know, Cam, what are you seeing from, from brands that are... Like, I think one thing that people need to take into account in terms of content is like mobility and preparation. The Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and like Q4 period is really intense in terms of content to be prepared. So when you're thinking about the, you know, your, your promotion schedule and all these things that Dave's discussing, it's going to have some long tail effects on the content that needs to be created to support all of these campaigns. And, you know, some of the biggest learnings that I've had <laughs> pilot house is shit does not go as planned. 
And that trickles down to like your design team and your creative team. And they need to kind of be really nimble in order to support your, your kind of objectives and the learnings that you get in real time. So having a bit of a stockpile of content is super, super important. And like, I'm talking about diverse stuff. So high quality content to support all of these like major foundational campaigns, but you also need to be able to be, uh, you need to adjust to support from all aspects of your funnel. So like the scrappier stuff, um, whatever it may be. So having that stockpile and then having a system in place to kind of have mobile designers and activate these, your teams to be able to support kind of in that cyclical nature as you move through Black Friday, Cyber Monday is super, super important. And in most cases, listening to this podcast, you're starting on the shoulders of last year. You know what worked best last year. As Dave was saying, you don't know that that offer or that, you know, how you're framing things is what's going to work this year, but you should have that best foot forward to kind of lead, lead out with to test, right? Yeah. And I mean, depending on your marketing mix, like you're, you're, you're likely pushing content across multiple channels. So whether you're on TikTok or not right now, you, you've probably come to realize that what you use on meta is very different than what you're going to see work on TikTok or other channels. So it's, it's going to be a coordinated effort between all of the different channels that you're pushing content on. So you need to think about that and how you're going to communicate offers and uh, promotions differently across different places. Anything to add there, Nate? I was just going to say that you can do kind of like Cam saying, you can do a lot of that testing now. Um, even on the offer side, a lot of what we do is we, we actually try to brainstorm a few different offer structures, like Dave said, maybe it's a BOGO, it's a money, like a dollar amount off, it's a percent off. Um, and we'll actually test the exact structures that we're gonna run for Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Um, and we'll do it now, uh, while costs are cheap. Um, we'll do it using landing pages so it's not hosted on the site, maybe using coupon codes, actually test the offer structure that works best for your product and for your, your audience. Um, and then we're going into Q4 with a, a loaded gun, knowing that this offer will convert and will convert at a higher rate in Q4. With a few backup rounds uh, of velocity in case it doesn't work. Dave, you mentioned velocity. What other sort of core principles are we sort of advising brands about for, for Q4? You mentioned velocity. Well, on the back of velocity, I actually had a note I wanted to complete that with. Oftentimes I'm seeing brands get slowed down by various things, one of which might be the creative interpretation of ads they're running strategy value bomb i've been saying it for a couple of years now but this idea of third-party brands this idea of actually creating a, a sandbox outside of your brand where you can test where you can have ultra high velocity so if, if you're running a, a product make a review site right where it's a, a page on on meta that puts some organic content on there but allows you to now run whatever content you want uh, obviously within certain uh, bumpers, but you can actually test, for example, content creators. So often we see roadblocks get put up with brands that they say, ah, this, this creator doesn't quite align with our brand. But we're saying that before we even know if, if maybe they could crush. And if they crushed, would that change your opinion? Right? So to actually put them into the sandbox first, find out, do they crush? Do they not? And if they crush, now let's go talk to the brand and actually see if we can give them feedback to, to actually create alignment. Because then that's worthwhile energy as opposed to the, the spinning of wheels on, on creators that we don't even know yet if they're going to win or not. So if you're a brand, create a sandbox where you can do it through either whitelisting, dark posting through uh, other people's pages, or you can spin up your own review site or, or whatever unlocks a huge amount of testing capabilities heading into Q4. 
I love it. You mentioned whitelisting and I feel like whitelisting's never gone away, but I've just on the podcast, I've just heard a couple entrepreneurs sort of talking about it more recently as what ends up being a very, like a nice chunk of, of whatever meta spend you're doing ends up being whitelisted through an influencer's handle. Where, uh, where are we at with whitelisting these days, Nate? Is it still making up a huge chunk of our, of our meta spend? Yeah, totally. Um, I, I would say there's more of a shift to dark posting just because you have a little bit more flexibility in the content you run. Obviously, whitelisting an influencer actually has to post that on their feed, um, whereas dark posting, you get access to the handles, you run your own ads through their handles. Definitely still makes up a big piece, still working best middle and bottom of funnel. People love to see faces, love to see people using products. And um, it's just, again, that third party validation of a product prior to purchase. And yeah, we're still spending a ton on it. I'm always impressed with brands that are do uh, <clears throat> Q4 definitely. I, I t- chatted with Noble, one of your favorite brands, Dave. They don't do they don't discount. They they straight up don't discount. They have their you know they've sort of tied their own hands that way. But what they do do is product launches. They they'll do a big product launch. They'll do a drop. Uh, do we have any brands kind of working on those principles where they're trying to discount less and you know launch something special instead of instead of discounting? Absolutely, I think. I think we've seen a big shift in that direction just overall this year from a handful of brands, especially brands that might be you know, having a tougher time overall. Acquiring customers is getting a little bit more expensive this year. And I, I feel like they've been taking that as an opportunity to start kind of shifting their brand in a different direction, You know, maybe stop discounting as much, clean up their content, come off a little bit more professional. And yeah, so we definitely have brands that, you know, when we're helping them with their marketing strategy, when we are shifting away from, you know, sales and promos, we do look towards product launches and, you know, hype building and list building to, to uh, you know, build up to some moment that can drive that, that, uh, that high volume of revenue like a sale might. Um, so definitely, definitely working with a lot of brands doing the same thing. Which speaks to the idea of building up audiences and lists to squeeze during seasonal moments, right? So every brand needs to be leaning into that. So when the, when the going gets tough and if you're unable to drive profitable sales, at least make sure that that spend is increasing your lists, your actual email list, your SMS lists. And really that comes down to making sure you're, whoever your media buyers are, are are thinking what is the conversion rate to email on the pages that we're sending to, on the funnel that we're sending through, and can we add more strategic opt-ins, for example, more strategic value props to get on the list so that that cost per acquisition uh, is going to get better over time? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I think brands should be list building all year round, and that doesn't even necessarily mean running lead gen campaigns, trying to build lists. Um, oftentimes, the value of those lists aren't as high, but like Dave is saying, when you're running your purchase campaigns on Facebook, on TikTok, whatever it is, you want to be evaluating the cost of your email subscribers that are coming in from those purchase campaigns. So like Dave's saying, make sure that your media buyers are aware of the cost of email subs that are actually coming in from purchase campaigns and then do things on site, like Dave is saying, to to try and bring that cost down, especially leading into Q4 when you know we all know that costs on platform get jacked up a little bit in Q4. You want to make sure that you have people off platform that you can hit with your offers and drive revenue. I was just doing a podcast with one of our speakers at this upcoming mastermind we're doing uh, at C-Suite was speaking with Taryn and she was mentioning how this year they're really on top of things. They already have their content calendar. They have their influencer launch sort of schedule built out all the way for Q4, whereas previous years they were really kind of running into it uh, and kind of doing it on the fly. Not to put pressure on our listeners here, but where in the timeline are we at? 
on August 16th or whenever this podcast releases this week. What should our listeners sort of already have done at this point and what should they be trying to do over the next couple weeks? Maybe Cam from a creative perspective. I mean, it's so cliche, but preparation is key at this point. So if you haven't already, try to map out, whether it be in the calendar, Gantt, whatever it may be, map out your campaign. So understand what your offers are or whether, you know, your plan A, B, and C, and then start to work backwards from there. So in terms of what the visual components are going to be, what the language is going to be, document all of that for all of the things that you want to push. And then the step below that is thinking about, okay, what does it actually mean for our team to produce that content? And then index it, make sure it's organized, make sure it's ready to go, make sure it's accessible to your entire team. If you're working with creators, do the exact same process. So where do your creators funnel into all of those messages or campaigns that you're pushing? And I think if you're starting that process now, you're probably on the right track. If you haven't, start to gather your team together and think about it and get organized. Those are the things that jump out at me. On top of that, I think, you know, just on the, you know, maybe channel specific side, you should, like Dave said earlier, you should already be testing your channel mix. You should be trying to figure out your most efficient marketing mix, um, do that early and then be fluid and be ready to adjust that as you go into Q4. You should be list building. You should be testing your offers starting pretty soon here um, testing your creative styles, like Cam said, and then prepping your inventory, like Dave mentioned. Nice. Guys. Thanks for coming on All Killer No Filler, the D2C podcast today. We're going to be doing a series of episodes on Q4 prep across the different departments over at Pilothouse. So this first one just kind of sets us off with the, the theme of this year's Q4, which is LFG, just like it is every Q4. Um, so stick around and stay with us as we go through Q4 prep for 2022 across all departments. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all-killer, no-filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.